Good evening. On behalf of superheroes everywhere, oh, and superheroines, or super persons if you prefer, I bid you welcome. Ah, that I have your attention, we'll proceed. Welcome to Now Playing's DC Comics Team Up Retrospective Series. He calls my arrival the dawn of the superhero. I am not sure if I know what that means. Continuing our look at movies based on DC Comics characters, Arnie, Stewart, and Jacob will be reviewing Legends of the Superheroes. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's mightiest mortal. Justice League of America. We all need heroes in our lives. Sometimes we find them in the most unlikely places. Gen 13. Once the students become Gen Active, no one will be able to stop us. Not Lynch, not the government. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. League of what? There have been other times when a danger upon the world required the services of singular individuals. And Watchmen. And all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Save us. And all whisper, No. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. That was naughty. Listener discretion is advised. Sounds cool. I kind of like the superhero stuff. It'll be just like, like a super friend. Today we're discussing Legends of the Superheroes, starring Adam West, Burt Ward, Jeff Altman, Charlie Callis, Gabriel Dell, Howard Morris, Mickey Morton, William Schallert, Ed McMahon, Ruth Buzzy, Frank Gorshin, directed by Bill Carruthers and Chris Darley. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, and if Shakespeare had had my mic... There's no telling how far he would have gone. Stuart in L.A. Stuart, obviously you're not a true hawk man, but let me introduce myself as a true hawk man. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, I stand corrected. Yeah, go put your cardboard wings away. The true hawk man is here. Is there a call to make it go away? Oh, please. <laughs> Along with everything else in what we're about to discuss. Welcome back to DC, guys. Yeah, we were supposed to be discussing American Splendor today. <laughs> yeah, but why do a real film? Why do something with artistic merit when we can go back to television? <laughs> yeah, this, we're breaking all kinds of rules here. Can we, can we just say, when I started now playing, the rule was a theatrical film. I didn't think it could get worse than 12 Friday the 13th films. I didn't think there was a more frivolous endeavor than where I started on this. But I mean, just a call out there to parents, you know, like if you like want to get your iPhone and wrap a towel around your child and have them jump off the couch and call them Superman, I think we can add it to the retrospective <laughs> at this point. I think that's where we're at with now playing. I used to hate superheroes and now I'm just hoping they'll come and stop us. That's what I really hope. All right. <laughs> I will take full responsibility. 
Yeah, I, I know you are because I sent an email out just to get behind the scenes. I'm like, why are we doing this? This is bad. I'm suffering through it. You did. I didn't really, I don't think I totally knew what this was. And when I found out it was two episodes that didn't even ever air together. Uh, yeah, it just added to the, well, experience. Yes, this is my fault and it is a mistake. We should not be discussing this. <laughs> The rules of now playing are still in effect, but every so often one slips through the cracks, and that's the case of Legends of the Superheroes. Because my memory from being a child... For what, four? Of four. <laughs> Don't rely on your memory of four. <laughs> That's the only time I'd seen whatever it is I saw. I remember sitting on my parents' red and black shag carpeting in front of our 24-inch CRT on a Saturday night watching live-action Justice League. And I remember Adam West and Burt Ward. So I figured this had to be it. And when this got an official DVD release back in 2010, I pre-ordered the mofo because I was so excited to revisit this show, this movie, that I had watched on TV back then. And you didn't crack that cellophane until last night when you had to watch this, huh? That is correct. <laughs> Now, my memory, though, is not what we watched, and maybe a listener could tell me what I saw, but I felt like it was a live-action pilot for Challenge of the Super Friends, which had, like, I remember, I think, a live-action Apache chief fighting a live-action Giganta as, like, giants on a Godzilla-like stage with Batman, Robin, The Flash, Mr. Freeze. Was this, like, some dream you had? <laughs> this was, like, a movie you watched, or did you just, like, go to sleep? I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this exists. I do not. I looked up Apache Chief, and he has apparently not appeared in any 70s or 80s television as live action. So, did I see a special cartoon? And I saw Legends of the Superheroes? Did you see an episode of Bonanza and mix it up with this? <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's plenty of Apaches out there. I think your mind just created an experience that did not exist. We can all admit, we love the Super Friends, right? That seven years before this came out, or whatever it was, like 1973, they started airing the Justice League as a cartoon, and that's what we loved. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember watching it as a kid. I don't know how well it holds up. Oh yeah, no, I haven't been back. It actually aired consistently from 77 to 86. And what this is was supposed to be a live action version of the all new Super Friends Hour that they'd started in 77. And it was to launch the next iteration called Challenge of the Super Friends, which was going to start 78 to 79. Okay. I'm not sure if I follow. These are both cartoons, you're saying? Two different issues or iterations of the cartoon but super friends just to put it out there when when you ask me who were this justice league it was superman batman wonder woman aquaman green lantern and then a couple other minor characters did they have the wonder twins on that one well sometimes it was marvin and wendy or something like that and a dog and then yes it was zan and jaina and gleek the monkey and those are the only ones i know and that started when this all happened. In the 73-74 is when they had Wonder Dog, Wendy, and Marvin. Mm. It's in 77 when I started watching this that they had the Wonder Twins and Gleek. And I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed, but this 
live action Legends of the Superheroes, a Hanna-Barbera production. I noticed, yes. I, I had fond memories of their other TV movie that had been made six months prior, Kiss versus This Phantom of the Park. Yes, this was <laughs> oh. their second attack on 70s audiences here. And I got to say, they're getting worse. <laughs> But this is not the Super Friends. You gotta have Superman. You gotta have Wonder Woman. You gotta have Aquaman. They weren't there because, I think, what? They existed in other ways. Well, Christopher Reeve and Linda Carter weren't gonna show up. Right. Wonder Woman was still on a different network at the time. Yep, she was CBS. This was NBC. Superman had been the previous year on the big screen. Christopher Reeve, obviously, much too big to be doing something like this. You could have always recast, but I understand there was some kind of light licensing where you couldn't have a TV show competing with the movie or something like that. So yes, no Superman. Aquaman, no one ever cared about. <laughs> they just <laughs> never did. I, they've never made him, right? He's never been anywhere. Live action. I think Batman v Superman that we're building up to is going to be the first. Didn't Aqualad show up on Smallville or something? I, I thought I heard. Oh yeah, Aquaman did appear on television. He, the, Aquaman was on Smallville, so yes, I forgot about that. And he was supposed to get his own spin-off TV series. They even made a pilot, but it never went anywhere. Yeah, I will say, as, as the person into the comic books, I look. I always look for compliments, even when the movie's not good. Here's the best I think I'm going to be able to do here is they went deep. <laughs> they went deep with their characters. I mean, Hawkman, sure. People kind of know Hawkman, but they got the Huntress and Black Canary and no. Captain Marvel. Yeah, who exactly? So Captain Marvel, I'm really getting confused now. And I'm sure <laughs> the Internet can tell me, but I want you to tell me. I thought that was a Marvel character. It is. They have a Captain Marvel, too. That is going to be a woman. It is. <laughs> in a couple years. Yep. Well, here's the thing. The original Captain Marvel was like a Fawcett Comics thing that was a Superman ripoff. Then DC sued them because it's a Superman ripoff. Then they got the rights to it. And then it became Captain Marvel. Then there's this whole thing with Marvel Comics and... Captain Marvel's weird because he says Shazam, so I always end up calling him Shazam, but that's not really what he... It, it's a mess. But there was a TV show yes. in the 70s called Shazam. The Shazam and Isis Hour. Yeah, I watched it faithfully. I had what I called the Shazam Mego figure. So whenever this aired, I knew Adam West and Burt Ward because I'd been watching Batman and reruns on syndication... And I knew Shazam because he had that TV show that was also sometimes in reruns. The rest of these, well, I didn't even know most of them from the cartoon because at that point the cartoon was Batman, Robin, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Wonder Twins, and Gleek. It was not until a little bit later that we started including Green Lantern and Hawkman and fighting Sinestro and Giganta on a regular basis and the whole Legion of Doom thing. This was a way of launching that. And so... <laughs> Is it? The same way you might launch a lead weight out of a window. And as for theatrical viewings, I don't know for a fact, but I do know this was released in Serbia. <laughs> What did we have against them? Was this some kind of anti-Western propaganda or something? I don't know. It was known as Legende of <laughs> Super Junasima. So I don't know if it was on television in Serbia or if it was in theaters in Serbia, but it was shown in Serbia. Sorry, Serbia. <laughs> because it was shown in Serbia, this is your justification for why we must now do this. I screwed up and it was on the schedule. <laughs> 
And by the time I knew what was going on, we'd already announced it and were committed. If I knew then what I knew now, I would have put this in the same area as Stephen King's The Dead Zone. It's a TV series. It's not intended as a movie. It's intended as an episode. There was something Power Kids or something that we skipped. Power Pack. Power Pack, yeah. But that was only a 28-minute pilot. Oh, see? But this is what I'm saying. This is where we're headed. <laughs> No, so, yeah. We're not doing Power Pack unless there's an actual movie. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. We're not headed there. Mistakes happen. I'm owning this one, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Fair enough. Because, I mean, in my defense, this was sold on Amazon to me as a movie. I warned you. <laughs> I warned you. <laughs> I'm like, I don't see a movie here. I'm watching it right now, but you told me there'd be a storyline. There is the first episode. It's story driven. Yeah, you're going to give this plot too, by the way. I'm handing it all to you in a big dog scooper <laughs> container. Well, let me put on my mechanic's hat then. <laughs> Wait, where did Artie go? There's just this nice mechanic here now that would never make us watch this. <laughs> In the first part of Legends of the Superheroes, the Justice League has gotten together to celebrate the birthday of Retired Man. Crickets. If you found that funny, I, I recommend this to you. <laughs> it is so not funny. I mean, it is profoundly unfunny. Gathered are Batman and Robin, The Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Captain Marvel, Huntress, and Black Canary. And of that cast, only Adam West and Burt Ward really matter. The party is cut short when the Legion of Doom announces their plans to destroy the world in 50 minutes. <laughs> With <laughs> something. <laughs> that group of baddies is led by the wizard Mordru, and he commands Dr. Sivana, Riddler, Sinestro, Giganta, Weather Wizard, and Solomon Grundy. And by the way, Solomon Grundy, that actor, was Mala in the Star Wars Holiday Special. I know, he's got two winners on his belt. You know, we used to give out golden headphones. I think we could give out, what, brown headphones to him. And of those, the only actor who really matters is Frank Gorshin reprising his Batman role of the Riddler. Savannah has created a doomsday device that will kill everyone in the world except the Legion of Doom, but the baddies also want to toy with the Justice League by leaving clues and making the heroes think they can stop the end of the world. The Justice League splits up to find the device. Many fight Solomon Grundy, who is disguised as a car mechanic at the local gas station. Riddler poses as a psychiatrist to get into the mind of Captain Marvel. Savannah fakes being a child-selling lemonade that saps the heroes of their powers. Don't forget Sinestro in drag as a gypsy to tell your fortune. Yeah, there's that one, and there's also Weather Wizard as a used car salesman. But Batman and Robin, with the help of Marsha Warfield... <laughs> yes, Night Court's Marsha Warfield... <laughs> Suss out the Legion's hidden island base. And even powerless, they defeat the bad guys, stop the bomb, restore their powers, and save the world. Did you say how they lost their powers? Yeah, the lemonade. <laughs> Magical lemonade. <laughs> then in the second episode, the Justice League is joined by Ed McMahon, who hosts a roast of the good guys. Joining in the fun not only are several members of the Legion of Doom, but also Hawkeye's mother, African-American hero Ghetto Man, 
I feel bad <laughs> just saying that. No, we... Uh, <laughs> man. And man-hungry elderly Aunt Minerva. The show is brought to a climactic close when Mordrew shows up to sing a villainous version of That's Entertainment! And blows up the entire set in the process, thus blessing us all they can't make a third show. But the heroes are unharmed and Ed McMahon is smiling as credits roll. Well, so do you recommend superheroes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, where one can begin is difficult to say. Uh, the characters, Captain Marvel. Yes, I just love these opening credits. First of all, that narrator has to speak so fast in that echo. And the way each of these characters is introduced, and they repeat it in both episodes. And it is quite the introduction, and it immediately sets the stage for what you're going to get. The outfits, the actors, the music. It's all bad. It really is, but some is worse than others. Captain Marvel, he's not bad. The outfit's okay. I like the gold. The short cape, is that how it is in the comic? Yeah, that's... He's got a little white cape. I mean, Captain Marvel gets his power from the, like, Rock of Wisdom. He says Shazam, which is like... Wisdom of Solomon, the something power of Zeus. I don't know. It all stands for some different god or wise person that he gets his powers from. I recently watched an animated DC movie of Batman versus Shazam. And isn't it like he's a little boy named Billy Barty? Yeah, Billy Batson. And yeah, he says Shazam and he turns into this big superhero. There's a whole Shazam family. There's Mary Marvel and I don't know. I think there's a talking tiger in there. <laughs> It's a whole thing. Okay. I was just encouraged. They call him the mightiest mortal. I'm like, as long as we can kill him. That's good. <laughs> they call him the mightiest mortal, but then they say he's fighting a never-ending battle against evil. So it's like, well, then does he die? Yes. Right here. <laughs> the second one, Stuart's favorite hero, Green Lantern. <laughs> Somehow it gets worse. I was trying to imagine Ryan Reynolds in that outfit trying to make that work, firing those lasers from the ring. Yeah. The, the weirdest thing is Green Lantern in this. Like, he zaps himself. He teleports with his ring instead of, like, creating an energy field or a green jet that he could fly with. Like, he just zaps it. He points it like he's committing suicide with that ring and just zaps himself. <laughs> that pose he strikes is a weird pose because one fist is out behind him. The other fist is like his elbow is bent like 120 degrees and then his wrist is another like 90 degrees to point back at himself. It is odd. And he fires beams now that you've mentioned Kiss versus the Phantom of the Park just like those guys did from their eyes. Now my favorite of them all is the third they introduce. Hawkman. I just love the scream they keep doing. <laughs> that is terrible. What about his wings that look like they were made of <laughs> 70s upholstery? Well, that's why, I mean, he is the most built. They actually got a bodybuilder, not an actor. The others had done various TV things. But I'm like, you get the most built guy because they're going to put him in the stupidest costume. So it's a way of intimidating you from actually making fun of it. Well, and he's got to be able to stand up with those big, heavy upholstery wings. Yeah. It's staggering, that outfit. I mean, it's... Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, most people on Halloween could do better than what they've given him. If I wore this to Comic-Con, well, not only because I'm not built like Hawkman, but just the wings alone, people would be dying with laughter. This is a Hollywood production. They could get feathers, and they could get a mask that isn't so long that it's going down his shoulders all the way. Question, they say he fights evil of the present with weapons of the past. Okay, Hawkman's got this, like, weird, convoluted... All the DC characters, it's weird, convoluted backstory. Like, there are times where, yeah, it's, like, Egyptian gods that have possessed, like, modern mortals to become, like, these Hawkmen. There's stuff from outer space that has to do with them. So, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, it doesn't look much worse than that Gerard Butler gods of Egypt thing or whatever they got. The hawk, that hawk shit they got out right now. But uh, yeah, it's bad. It's really, I mean, like I said, they got a built guy so you don't make fun of it. You know, like that's their way of just like threatening you. I dare you to point your finger at me. <laughs> well, he was my favorite of all. Really? I, I'm kind of impressed by Huntress? Who the hell is this? Hey, even I know who Huntress is, thank you. Which version are you going to say, Arnie? I was going to say one of the Birds of Prey. She was on that WBTV show. Okay, yes. Yeah, but she, again, has a weird backstory. Like, the original version of her was like this alternate Earth where she was the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Which I think was still her origin in, when they would have done the 70s show. Now she's like the daughter of a criminal underlord and she decided to go good and fight evil in Gotham. But she, yeah, she teams up with Batman now and then. I don't think she has a line in this film. Neither episode, no. Yeah, and Flash <laughs> doesn't either. Yeah, he's he's like Green Lantern. Like, he doesn't actually run fast. He strikes a pose and then just kind of disappears because supposedly he's running fast. Flash definitely talks. He has a battle here where he does a little bit of talking. But yeah, Huntress, she does not speak much. She does not do much. I was disappointed. They do not give all the heroes here equal things to do. When you have an ensemble film... Usually you try to have it so that every character, major and minor, has something to do. Like, in all the Star Trek films, Uhura always has one thing she has to do. And here, Huntress, no, nah, she just sits around in her jumpsuit with her knee-high boots. Well, not all of them are paid the same thing, too. I did do a little internet searching, and I found out they, they hunted down these people later to talk about their experience, and there was really nothing to talk about. But it was interesting to hear that, like, Hawkman had made $10,000, but Green Lantern only made two. <laughs> Anybody could have put on that Green Lantern suit. You needed a muscle man for Hawkman. I don't know what the discrepancy was, but it might have been the amount of time that they were in front of the camera, in fact. You're right. There are heroes here that do more than others. And yeah, Flash and Huntress, I forget about them. Flash's outfit... He reminds me a lot of the toy in the comic book, but man, it just, it does not look good. It does not look heroic. It does not look intimidating. And it's not because it's spandex, because damn it, Christopher Reeve rocked the spandex one year earlier. But I think it's the guy in the spandex. He's standing there in this opening credits, and he looks chagrined. He looks like he knows this is career suicide. <laughs> I don't think anyone had a career except maybe 
Adam West, ah, hell, he didn't even have a career by this point to commit suicide with. The villains had bigger careers than the heroes here. A lot of these guys, like uh, Captain Marvel, he was a stand-up comedian. And The Flash, he was in this John Ritter superhero movie. Do you remember this hero at large where John Ritter would put on spandex and pretend no. to go fight crime? <laughs> no, but can we review it, please? No, I really <laughs> I don't think so. But I guess they felt like that made him qualify. To, to put on this spandex. I don't know. But yeah, a lot of them, other than bit parts in TV movies, they never did this again. Now, what about Black Canary? I do not know that character at all. Was she not on Birds of Prey? I never watched the TV show. In the comic, she's a member of the Birds of Prey. I remembered the Huntress from it, and I remembered Oracle. There were a couple others on there who I do not remember. I saw she wound up on the 700 Club. I'm like, oh yeah, maybe God <laughs> can redeem you for this. Probably not, though. <laughs> no. Black Canary wears a leather uh, onesie with some fishnet stockings and, and has a sonic scream. Well, then they got it right. Does she ride a motorbike, too? She does. She does ride a motorbike. They've, they've recently rebooted her, and she's actually like a singer in a rock band, which kind of makes sense. Does she often have nip slips, or is it only here? <laughs> she's actually the coolest one, honestly. When she gets on that bike, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's at least something, you know? You wouldn't scoff at her if she were coming at you. Hey, I always like a screamer. Don't forget Robin. Well, well, here's my thing. With Burt Ward, he didn't get a haircut before this. It doesn't even look like Burt Ward. If it wasn't for the voice, I wouldn't think it was Burt Ward. And I'm pretty sure that person doing backflips at the opening isn't. But Burt Ward, yeah, he's got this real shaggy hair and a more puffy face than he used to have. And so when I saw this, I'm like... They didn't get Burt Ward back, and then I hit IMDb, and they did. Yeah, I heard them say Burt Ward, but it didn't look like Burt Ward. It should be said, it's been a while since the filming of that original TV show. I mean, it's a decade, and I guess for a long while, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. They didn't want to be typecast, and then they said, all right, we have no other career, and they started doing the voices of a Batman and Robin cartoon, and yeah, I guess they felt like they were okay with Putting on a costume. This is not the costumes they had. They, that headgear does not fit Adam West. Actually, that headgear on Batman was the original headgear. <laughs> it doesn't fit no more. They got it put together wrong because it looks bad. It does not look right. Yeah. They gave it to a seamstress because it had tattered in 10 years. And my guess is it had to be let out a bit in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> and the seamstress didn't take any photos ahead of time, tore it apart, built something that looked totally different, didn't fit worth a damn, and they didn't have time to fix it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is not the return to form that we might have hoped for Boy Wonder and Batman here. Yeah, the way they introduce Batman. I mean, his symbol is a frightening creature of the night. His disguise strikes terror into the criminal heart, and then they show us pudgy Adam West. And he is sucking in that stomach this whole t every time he's on camera. Like he, I, I'm surprised he's able to say anything because he's holding his breath in. Well, you know, he was never like in great shape or anything like that. He was always kind of part of the fun that he was a little ill-fitting for such a form-fitting costume. It's more ill-fitting though. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It has been over 10 years and you can tell he did not spend that time in the gymnasium. But Robin did. Man, those flips. That was incredible. <laughs> Too bad it wasn't him. Now, as far as voicing the cartoon, I remember clearly that Robin was voiced by Casey Kasem. 
during most of that. Yeah, that's when they showed up like on Scooby-Doo or did they have their own cartoon as well? They had their own, but yeah, they were they were doing the rounds and all the Hanna-Barbera stuff. Now, this was the last time Burt Ward would play Robin until just last year when he apparently did an uncredited cameo as the voice of Robin in one of Batman's Arkham games. Oh. Okay. The thing I heard about him from the other actors that had their reminiscence was that they just said he was like greedy, mon- money hungry. Like the trunk of his car was just full of merchandise. So like all you have to do is walk <laughs> up to Burt Ward and say, I love you. And he'll sell you a photograph of himself. And that they, they even said that like Adam West would like finish his lunch and Bert would come in and grab the plate and have it autographed and like be out there hawking it. He was like QVC or the Home Shopping Network before that even existed. Yeah, I, I've seen the documentaries and things way back when we covered Batman. And also, I believe they did a dramatization with Adam West and Burt Ward. Yeah. Like hosting or telling the stories of their younger selves and it wasn't a very flattering portrayal but yes to see these two back if there's any reason to justify doing it it's because we covered the first time they were in the spandex and now we're covering the last but on the other side we have the legion of doom now Stuart, you said these actors are notable they have long careers in comedy uh, the guy playing Mordrew uh, was, he was actually got his start in Humphrey Bogart movies. The Eastside Kids or the Bowery Boys, you ever heard of that? It was a whole serial from the 30s and 40s. Humphrey Bogart did the first one. Yeah, he was a child actor. No, did not know him. I also don't know Mordrew. Jacob? Yeah, another like weird wizard guy from the DC past that he, he shows up every once in a while to fight the Justice League, but. Yeah, just DC's got a weird history, lots of magic and and stuff like that in its past. You know, Marvel came along and really solidified themselves in the space age with Fantastic Four. And so it's a bit more grounded. DC, you get all kinds of wacky stuff like the space wizard. See, and I never thought of DC as having characters that were supernatural. To me, it was always more like the Batmans or whatever. That Oh, no, wait, wait till we get to Suicide Squad. We got Enchantress, who's like a witch, and Katana, who has like a magic sword. We'll be getting in the modern stuff, too. Well, no, I mean, we get it right here. We have Mordrew, one wizard, and then we have Weather Wizard. (laughs) This is not real, right? This is a fake. No, he's he's a Flash villain. Weather Wizard? Uses a wand. Yeah, has a wand that controls the weather. Who was the guy who was the Flash villain on the cartoon that had, like, the freeze gun? Was that just... That's Captain Cold. Not to be confused with Mr. Freeze, Captain Cold. <laughs> yeah, and he would have a gun that would yeah freeze people. I remember him, yes, from <laughs> Super Friends, yes. Because of Super Friends, I'm not as out of my depth here, though. I mean, obviously, we know the Riddler because of all the different Batman stuff and Jim Carrey. But thanks to Super Friends, I know Solomon Grundy. Yeah, I knew him too. I could name him even. I tried to figure out who there I could name ahead of time. I got Solomon Grundy right. I thought Giganta was Cheetah. So I don't know who the hell Giganta is. I thought Giganta was Thundra, but that's the Marvel version. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know Solomon Grundy was born in a swamp. No. Yeah, he's like a zombie. He was a dude that got murdered and, like, buried in a swamp and came back. And he's kind of an anti-hero now. Like, he shows up every once in a while. He's not totally a bad guy. He's kind of just brainless. Yeah, there's a whole Adams Family quality to him. I I feel like he could work in a lot of things. I feel like he would have chased Shaggy and Scooby, too. Like, I, he could have done a lot of things. <laughs> I'm sure Hannah Barbera recycled that animation for mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo villain. Well, I actually looked him up. 
because I was getting this Lurch vibe off of the performance here. That's how I found out he was Mala. But as you might guess, he was a bad guy in a number of TV series. He was in the original Star Trek series. I mean, this is a big lumbering guy who would play a baddie on your TV series. But I knew him. Come on, we got Sinestro. We, we saw him in Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern. We did. Yep, I knew him also from the Super Friends, too, because he and Green Lantern would always face off at the end of each episode. And Charlie Callis, his face seemed recognizable when I looked him up. He had done a lot of Mel Brooks comedies, so he, he was just a comedian. He had done lots of bit parts. You've seen him do stuff. The Mel Brooks actor I knew played Dr. Savannah, who was Professor Little Oldman in High Anxiety, a movie I absolutely love. Oh, okay. He did a lot of cartoon voices, I noticed. The Hanna-Barbera connection was strong with him. Yeah, Dr. Savannah, a foe to Captain Marvel. Obviously, that's why I've never heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that much about Captain Marvel. Now, Giganta, she's supposed to, like, grow really big, right? Because she used to fight Apache Chief. Well, yeah, that's... Kind of the version now. I found it funny. At one point, they say, like, it was, what, a, a super smart monkey brain that was put into a woman or something? Whoa. Yeah. She used to be a gorilla in a zoo until an evolution machine turned yeah. her into a living beast. Oh, my God. I didn't know. I didn't know how to take that line, but they were they were being serious. Well, it's not that far off from her origin. Like, it was a woman whose brain got put into a monkey and the monkey got put brain got wow. put into a woman. Yeah. But I, I think in the current version, she can grow and shrink. And I believe she started off as a Wonder Woman villain. Yes, she was. That is, I did read that. But here we're just going to get a joke with her and the Adam who, I guess, doesn't appear in the first version. No, he's not in episode one. There, We get some new heroes and people in episode two, but in this one, this is our Legion of Doom. And they have a machine that will destroy the whole world, which is something even they at some point seem to not want to do, because then they're like, if we kill everyone, how do we gloat? Yeah, that seems like a really bad idea. Like, why are you going to blow up the world and just be the last? There's only one chick. It's like, that's going to be bad. I was just thinking that. Like, that's a bad ratio. But I actually realized pretty quick. I think this is the first and last, I hope, now playing review of something that has a laugh track. Oh, geez. That, yeah, that can laugh. I think they're still using this laugh track for the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> but what the laugh track clued me into is nothing here should be taken seriously. So when I started to jot down notes about the plot holes of why the villains would intentionally leave clues for the heroes. Now, the Riddler, he's always been a little bit mentally unbalanced. He's self-sabotaging. Maybe he should see himself as a therapist for that but the fact that dr savannah and everybody else is like we're going to leave clues so that they think they can stop us but they can't this isn't here for for the plot to be nitpicked they know it's dumb as hell and i think the point is to be dumb as hell right well yeah this whole thing opens with the riddler taking roll call with the legion of doom and every time he reads a name like they assault him and i guess That's supposed to be funny because he's like, Weather Wizard, and he, Weather Wizard shoots like snow at him and he gets all cold and then he calls someone else and they do something like, that's the level. The only reason I know that's supposed to be funny is because the laugh track plays. The laugh track, yes. No, I would not laugh. Well, I didn't laugh. I wouldn't know when to laugh if there was no laugh track here, if I was going to. Yeah, I mean, I I looked up the writers. I just wanted to be sure. And yeah, 
It's exactly who you would think it is. I looked to see if it was Bruce Valanche, but it wasn't. I was surprised. No, but it's Laughing, Red Skelton, Donnie and Marie, Flip Wilson, all of those corny shows. Yeah, but past their prime. Like they had already kind of done their bit with the quote unquote greats. And now these were the leftovers that they were spitting out for superheroes. But yeah, this is for years. Since the inception of television, this kind of variety show had always been on the air. And it's very old-fashioned. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm begging for a Jefferson Starship number at this point. But who was this meant for? Like, when was this aired? Because there's no adults. Come on. I, Stuart, you're always defending the 70s and saying people like trash. But I can't imagine adults wanting to watch this. This was aired on Saturday nights. Which was a time when people did stay home and watch television back then. It was the time slot normally given to a show I don't know of called Project UFO. Yeah, I've heard of it. Created by Dragnet's Jack Webb. So whoever the audience for Project UFO was, I think they were trying to snag it here. It was a babysitter night. You know, Saturday nights, you put the more kitty kind of things. I remember that was the night Manimal was on. I mean, <laughs> I'm going backwards. No, that was actually Friday. Friday was Manimal, Night Rider. Uh, believe me, I know. Misfits of Science was a Friday night. Now, now I'm not going to dispute you, but you get my <laughs> point. The thought was that on the weekends, you program for kids that are, aren't old enough to go out yet. And so it did tend to be more juvenile stuff. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, I was home watching it. I mean, it ended up being 227 Golden Girls not too much later and Hunter. But who's the audience? It's Grandma is sitting the kids tonight and they're both going to be entertained because it's old-fashioned humor with the heroes that the kids know and love. I have to say once I realized this was a variety show and not the movie with Apache Chief that I was expecting. <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> That may not exist. Your fever dream, yeah. I am mm. looking to our listeners to point me at what I saw. I then realized that we may say this doesn't belong in now playing, but we do have a history with variety shows thanks to the holiday special. We've done it once before. Yeah. That's not a history. Yeah. <laughs> and I was so glad that the holiday special didn't have a laugh track because I liked it so much better, like during the Wookiee porn segment, when I didn't know how serious to take it. I would prefer to be left wondering if they're serious versus being told, oh, this is supposed to be funny when retired man comes up and can't remember his own superhero name, the Scarlet Cyclone. Here's the difference is that Star Wars, those characters weren't in a comedic situation, so they were really treading water. They were thrown out the sea. They had never been, you know, they had the outfits they had on for the Lucas Project, but they were doing something entirely different. Adam West, Burt Ward, they've done camp before. You would think it would be easier to write jokes because of the Batman 66 series. You would think that they would just try to emulate that. I want to point out, these jokes aren't anywhere close to that camp. There's only one joke that works. When they jump into a motorcycle sidecar and it splits in half, and Adam West says to Burt Ward, you know, just try to keep it under 55 or whatever. That was the only time I kind of laughed. Like, the rest of it was, like, not Batman humor. It was not the camp humor that would have been so easy. With costumes this bad, we're primed to laugh at them. But they just, yeah, they thought retired man was a better joke. I, I was shocked. You know, you have this reoccurring... 
I don't know if it's a joke or what. There's a laugh track. But with Solomon Grundy, he had a magic hat that he would wear at the gas station. For some reason, all the superheroes go to this gas station at some point. They don't have communicators. And so when they split up, they're like, well, how will we know? And for some reason, the answer is, let's leave messages for each other at this gas station. <laughs> yeah, it really downplays the uh, importance of the Justice League. Can you imagine? <laughs> that'd, that'd be like the UN being like, oh, just the 7-Eleven around the corner. Just leave a note. Wait, what? You people are supposed to be, you know, saving the world here. But yeah, but Solomon Gundry, he'd lift his hat to say hi, and then they realized it was so weird. They didn't even have the budget to, like, mask him for us, the viewer. Like, we always saw Solomon Grundy. Like, they never tried to play it as if it was someone else. But Batman, at one point, like, tries to fight him. And, of course, he's too weak. But, like, I was totally waiting for the bam, pow. Like, they didn't even have that here. They didn't go for that. And it, 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 keep in mind, it was being made by different people. I don't know if there was a rights issue or whatever, but we never get the Batman theme. We never... That's not the Batmobile. I just want to say, whatever <laughs> they want to call that, it was like a cardboard cutout put over a different car that's like kind of made to look like the Batmobile, but clearly is not the Batmobile. Is that why it breaks down? Yes. Because they can't keep it on screen long enough? Apparently the doors weren't even shut. Like, you know, they have a bit later where they're buying a used car and the door was falling off. That was also true of the Batmobile. Wow, I did not notice that about the Batmobile. I noticed it wasn't shooting flames and I was disappointed in that, but... Yeah, it's not a real car. I mean, I literally just think that they had like two bucket seats four wheels and this cardboard uh, you know accessory and yet they still spent more money with that than they did on hawkman's wings <laughs> i think it was from the same batch of cardboard though i mean it, and you think we're just making humor out there those of you that haven't seen it i'm totally serious it is a cardboard cutout and the wings are cardboard cutout these are Halloween costume level production values. And I'm not even talking the good ones you get at the spirit store. I'm talking about the ones that you find in clearance at Walmart on November 1st. Yeah, trying to review this is like trying to review a kid's birthday party or something like <laughs> These are the clowns you've hired to entertain the show and then you like bring in a critic to like evaluate how good they are, you know, making the five-year-old laugh. I mean, I don't know what to say. I'll say this. You had the one genuine laugh with the sidecar that splits off. I had one genuine laugh, and it was at the gas station when Solomon Grundy is there, and Batman and Robin show up, and my favorite character of the whole special is in a phone booth, and no, it's yes. not Clark Kent, it's Marsha Warfield providing the commentary, she's saying what I'm thinking. <laughs> Yes, just making fun of it. Like, this is dumb. Like, yeah, she was the one character I liked. She was my viewpoint, my Greek chorus. And they would also use her for special effects reasons. Like, Shazam comes in. They can't show him flying, landing or taking <laughs> off. So we just see her looking up in the sky and then looking down. Cut, their Shazam. I mean, like, that's how poor the production values here are. But yes, Marsha Warfield, Roz from Night Court, if you don't know the name. She also had her own talk show. Oh, my God, that's right. Everyone did in the 90s, though. That's not... That's nothing to brag about. <laughs> they also cut to her when Hawkman is fighting Solomon Grundy, because I actually had to rewind, because I wondered if I fell asleep. <laughs> because it's like, Hawkman and Solomon Grundy are fighting, and they cut to Marsha Warfield, who's like, what am I coming home for dinner? I wouldn't leave here for a million dollars. I gotta see who shows up next. 
And then they cut back and Hawkman's chained to a car lift. I'm like, did he lose? I, I missed the fight. I was wondering about that. I didn't bother rewinding. I wanted to get through this. <laughs> yeah, there's no thought of, of rewinding or rewatching. I wanted to be sure I didn't miss anything. And Solomon Grundy, though, is my favorite of the costumed heroes. I'm somewhat amused slightly by this <laughs> repetitive car mechanic routine. And when Black Canary shows up and she's like, no strange people have shown up, just you. That was actually funny. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, uh, Solomon Grundy looks more successful. Like, uh, the fact that I could recognize him and recall the name and all of that. And that, yeah, all he's got to do is be like a Frankenstein's monster. It's an easier thing to pull off. He doesn't really have to do jokes the way the others do. But Batman and Robin are, you know, I did feel like they were trying to get them there. You know, they, they leave the Batmobile cardboard cutout thing and then they're running on foot. They come to this car mechanic again. <laughs> and I was glad Robin was complaining about running because it doesn't look like either of them have done it much. But that is something, you know, I think about that Batman 66 movie and how they are mourning the whale that jumped in front of the torpedo and saved their life. I mean, the idea that they're running around on foot trying to catch the doomsday device <sighs> that says it all. <laughs> it's trying to get there on foot. It is trying to get back to what we loved about Batman 66. I want to stress one joke kind of works again. They, he left his Batman credit card in the Batmobile and he buys a motorcycle for $50 off weather wizard, which I think is a joke actually in Batman and Robin 20 years later. There's the bat master card that Schumacher uses, <laughs> but yeah, they hop in. And of course it's rigged to, you know, break apart and endanger their life. The whole point is to stall the heroes through various humorous methods yeah they all have to run through a picnic a couple tried to have a picnic <laughs> that they all run through and uh yeah i don't want to repeat all of these quote-unquote jokes yeah there's a lot of wasting of time and they they give each villain something to do green lantern and sinestro have a bit where you're not supposed to know sinestro is dressed up in drag trying to get his ring i really don't get the captain marvel bit <laughs> Where suddenly, magically, a uh, psychiatrist's office appears in the middle of a forest. Remember, he's a little boy in a big man's body, so maybe he went with it. I, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give it this. Frank Gorshin is perhaps one of the best actors here. He pulls off a decent Freud. Yeah, but he's got split personality. The joke is that he's diagnosing Shazam as uh, having multiple personality disorders while he's going into different characters and talking like a Texan or British or, I mean... Hmm. Which would might have actually been funny if viewers knew that Shazam was... Also, Billy Batson, like, literally does have multiple personalities. Oh, I didn't get that. No, I had yeah. no idea that that's what they were going for. It, it didn't matter. I don't think they were, Stuart. That's the point. They didn't even go to that level. Yeah, nothing is flying here, particularly Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about when Mordrew gets involved in a sea chase where they're on jet skis? I didn't know they had vehicles like that back then. Those were... <laughs> Some crazy looking sea dudes or whatever they were. You're talking about the jet skis? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I looked up the history of jet skis. They've been <laughs> out about six years. I'm like, this is brand new. 
Yeah, it's pretty close. It would have been the first time many people would have seen these things before. This is what it's brought us to. We looked up the history of jet skis. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to see why they felt the need to... Because it's like basically like a duck pond. They built this whole thing <laughs> around Griffith Park and like a duck pond. <laughs> this is how bad it is. Is that where the Batman Cave was is in that area too? You mentioned the Batman Cave a few shows ago. and Yeah, Bronson Caves, yeah. Okay, because th- they were obviously coming out of the Bat Cave from the 66 show. Yeah, it was the same location. Now, one villain is somewhat successful... Apparently, the only bad guy worth having on your team at all is Savannah, because not only does he create a functional doomsday machine, he also has a potion that he puts in lemonade that takes away the hero's powers. Which, how does that happen with Green Lantern? His power is a ring. It's I, I could buy it if it's like Shazam and it's something internal, but the fact that it also like deactivates your ring seemed weird to me. Yes, I did think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and they only do the bit for a couple of characters because some people, some people don't have powers. Huntress is just running around. She never fires a crossbow. She never, (laughs) she never does anything. Batman and Robin are powerless just day to day too. Yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, some of these guys don't have powers. Is the Lemonade going to do anything? doesn't matter. They're going to jump on jet skis and chase each other around. But then Solomon Grundy accidentally mix in some of that potion into their victory champagne and no one has any powers for the exciting climax in which... No, the climax. Strike exciting out of there. You know, again, it was kind of barely Batman 66 with Burt Ward saying, I can't hit a woman, you know, Giganta and all of that. Uh, Yeah, that's a repeated joke. This episode and the next is Batman and his, what, political correct feminism, where he's like, for mankind or people kind. But he always did that. That was the character. Again, I feel like they knew what it should sound like. And Adam West, everyone on set liked him. And he probably had some influence on the ad-libbing. Like, he probably made the Batman character more like the one we remembered just by saying the lines the way he would and probably tweaking them in a a way that sounded more like square old Batman. But I just say, let him write the whole thing. I mean, honestly, and dump most of this Justice League. This would have been more satisfying as a Batman reunion than it is as a superhero team up. Admittedly, I was so disappointed by having Frank Gorshin, Adam West, and Burt Ward here. Don't you really wish they'd also brought back, like, Cesar Romero or Burgess Meredith and... Oh, he was too big for this. He was in foul play. So how did the superheroes get their powers back? I didn't catch that. They don't. I don't know. (laughs) Did they say something about it wearing off? I don't remember exactly. I think it was a temporary solution. If you're worried about that, they'll have them back on you. Don't worry. By the time we get to the roast next week, (laughs) or right now, I should say... (laughs) Yeah, you had to wait a week when you, if you were watching it on television, but we're going to get through this all right now. Come on, there's not much. If I thought the first episode, which was entitled The Challenge, was a challenge to watch... It was. That's nothing compared to The Roast. My God, what a challenge that was <laughs> to pay attention to. I mean... Don't get me wrong, on paper, this sounds like now playing gold. You mean we have Ed McMahon joining the superheroes for a roast with Ghetto Man coming out? But it doesn't work at all. None of it works. And yeah, the humor 
there's one joke I laugh at, but most of it, it's like hee-haw. Well, that was, hee-haw was the country version of laughing, and these are laughing writers. So, yes, that's what we're getting here. Yeah, it, it's all very vaudevillian and just... Yeah, I mean, it's a roast. If, if this humor works, though, yeah, it's not... I, I've watched the Comedy Central roast. Those, you know, I guess just because they're dirtier jokes. This... Dirtier jokes, yes. And real people with real scandals that they can pick on. Yeah, if you're 80, you might find this funny. I, I mean, like, every time a villain comes out, they torture the heroes. The heroes look dumb at this point. I think their powers are still gone a week later. <laughs> the villains just mock them when they come out. The actors they talk about that play the heroes, they're like, oh yeah, that one was easy. We just had to sit there and laugh. I mean, they didn't really have lines or anything to do. I had to sit there and it would have been hard to laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, admittedly. But yeah, I mean, some of it is just obviously not funny. Like Hawkman's mother coming out and nagging he doesn't come home except to see the turkey at Thanksgiving. I mean, these are atrocious jokes. <laughs> but Ghetto Man, we do need to address this. Now, he's less racist than I thought. Really? I really had a memory, once again, maybe a fever dream, that he came out, like, in chains, with a boombox on his shoulder, and a hat. I thought that too. Yeah, I thought there was a boombox involved. And actually, here's what I'm going to say about this entire roast. If you had better comedians, then this would be better. Like, Ghetto Man, if you'd gotten Richard Pryor, or even Garrett Morris from Saturday Night Live there... I probably would have laughed really hard. As it is, his stand-up routine felt very topical of the time. It's kind of like his entire brand of humor is like saying, Hey, white people, black people have something like you. Green Lantern has a ring. We got Sammy Davis Jr. Captain Marvel yells Shazam. We yell Kareem. All right, I laughed at the Kareem joke. You know, I actually thought... Ghetto man kind of work like I like he's like there's a lot of supers but not a lot of brothers like he's calling out how white all these people were like Green Lantern no you're not a person of color like we need Ghetto Man at the Oscars yeah I thought he was kind of edgy as edgy as this is gonna get Justice League so white hashtag (laughs) maybe Uh, you know I don't know I thought it was strange George Washington Carver he's like not being allowed to go to the bathroom like it was a whites only bathroom it was a strange mix of like yeah, racial <laughs> in some ways yeah I guess it was cutting edge it'd be like Richard Pryor coming out yeah but at the same time it was so offensive the idea that like he was the superhero of the minority areas I mean it yeah but yet it was it reminds me of some of the Eddie Murphy jokes from Delirious when like when I was a kid if we wanted a jacuzzi we had to fart in the bathtub that kind of level of joke yeah no I get that there is a long stand and there were movies like this like didn't Damon Wayans do Blank Man or something like this well not only blank man but yeah i mean meteor man and yeah i'm gonna get you sucka i mean there's a lot of this type of oh this guy was actually in that movie by the way and he was in hollywood shuffle which was a a movie about how blacks get stuck in bad movies because hollywood doesn't know what to do with them that was from the 80s as well robert townsend movie so yeah ghetto man i guess that's the one that's most memorable it may be the worst thing or the best thing about this second segment here i'll just say it wasn't as racist as i thought it was gonna be i don't know if that's a compliment i came in expecting the worst of cringing and i ended up going yeah it's not great (laughs) it's not progressive but at least 
they had a black man in here somewhere. That is true. But then it all goes back downhill when they bring retired man out, the Scarlet Cyclone, who, not a DC character, not one that I could find. Yeah, and they just keep cutting back to him for some reason. Would you believe, I actually, like I said, I bought the DVD of this. There were scenes they cut out of this. Like, this is what they chose to leave in. I got to watch some deleted scenes that were even worse. Mm, I'm surprised they still had the scenes to put back in. (laughs) I would think that they would not have treated this with much reverence. But, yeah, let's just kind of skip over this last stuff. We could talk about Under the Cape with Rhoda Rooter. Again, if you'd gotten, like, Gilda Radner from SNL, who did the Barbara Wawas back then funnier but the people they have are these comedians that they just had come out and maybe write their own material like did they treat this like a real roast no no okay these were scripted but this all of this stuff was scripted these are actors doing it and i think you're onto something they're all doing somebody else it's like we can't get jerry lewis so let's have the mad scientist pretend he's you know jerry lewis let's have Yes, this gossip columnist, do the Gilda Radner. Let's have Ruth Buzzy be Mae West. It's like they want to have the people you'd normally see in a roast, but we can't afford them or they just wouldn't come. I was clearly thinking during the Dr. Silva stuff, if that was Robin Williams, it would kill. Well, Robin was just starting out at that point. I think more Mandy, but... Right, but he was still funny. I don't know that anything here would kill. I mean, I don't have any optimism that this would ever be funny, (laughs) but I do feel like you're watching third-rate people trying to do this material that the professionals could have handled better. Yeah, I think if you'd had names here, if you'd put more money into the actors than you did into the costumes. Well, they probably did. (laughs) And you had them (laughs) write some of their own material. You know, they don't have to be stars. They could be up-and-comers that you could find on the comedy circuit or something. Somebody who could bring this level of humor, because that's what it felt like. It legitimately felt like a roast, because everybody came out and told, like, a stand-up routine with Hawkeye's mom talking about putting newspapers down on the bed, and Ghetto Man talking about... Sammy Davis Jr. It was all so eclectic that they had me wondering who the hell these people were and why they didn't get funnier people. Well, because this is what they could afford. And most of these people hadn't worked. They blew all the money on Ed McMahon. Uh, Ed McMahon at this point was even pre-Star Search. I mean, he had just been the announcer on the Carson show. And somebody does do a Carson imitation here. Again, I, I feel like all of it is trying to be someone else something else but then there's just really bad filler like robin trying to tell batman he wrecked the cardboard batmobile (laughs) yeah i didn't yeah continuity why why would you do that there's that meme that gets passed around where batman's always slapping robin or whatever That's, that's what i imagined oh there's one line where he like slaps him around and then says just wait till you see what i'm gonna do to you when we get back to the bat cave i'm like wow (laughs) yeah i mean the modern audience that's the most risque joke here and they try a couple of them here they have a whole bit where the adam and giganta are having a sexual relationship and rota rooter wants to know the physical mechanics of how they screw i'm like so this is not g-rated if you think you could just turn it on and not have sexual content out there i mean there's a whole bit where the mad scientist wants to inspect huntress's what quivers i think is what how he refers to it yeah but it's no wookie porn yeah you're right it's not wookie porn no but the one joke 
One joke that I laughed at it and I didn't feel good about it is when Aunt Minerva is looking for a husband and she's introduced to the Flash and he goes, I'm the world's fastest man. And she just goes, pass. That was the risque joke that I laughed at. Yeah. Again, a Mae West kind of bit. Ruth Buzzy, man. She scared my childhood. Frightened me so bad. She was uh, the Bug of Blues. I don't know if you remember this. It was a Sid and Marty Croft show about like, uh, it's kind of like the Partridge family if they were insects. They were a, a, a rock band full of insects, and she was like the a bee or some kind of, I don't know. She was the villainess, and I've never forgiven her for it. So, the big mouth. She did a lot of denture commercials in the 80s you might remember her from. There's also a joke making fun of superheroes being narcissistic muscle men, signed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's a joke a bit ahead of its time. Well, Pumping Iron would have been out. He would have been known as, yes, exactly, the villain of Pumping Iron at that point. Yeah. Was it that big a deal? I only know of Pumping Iron because I'm a Lou Ferrigno fan. I mean, was that a cultural phenomenon where people knew him from? Uh, apparently. He hadn't really made any other movies. There was no Conan or Terminator yet. I mean, Hercules in New York? <laughs> I don't think that was big. <laughs> he had done a Burt Reynolds movie. I mean, Stay Hungry, but no. I, I think that, yes, he was just known as the guy that put down poor Lou Ferrigno and, and won the bodybuilding contest. Yeah, that that was just a joke that caught me off guard. It felt ahead of its time. I laughed kind of when Robin's like, holy Ralph Nader when he was getting the car. Hadn't thought about Ralph Nader in a while. Yeah, that's, I know. That was that was a surprise as well. Their references were so strange that, yeah, like Edie Amin and things. They were just names that you were just like, huh, okay. <laughs> They're very specific to the time. You know, heaven can wait. I, they yeah. were just things that they named. And ironically, Grundy apparently was in Heaven Can Wait, the actor. Yeah, I just, I feel like, yeah, a lot of this would not make sense to anybody now. Actually, none of this makes sense to anybody now. <laughs> but much of these references will be to things that younger audiences today will have no knowledge of. Well, and here's the thing. When this thing ends, we talked about Shazam. He can't fly. Hawkman, his carpet wings, he can't fly. Who's the one person that actually gets to fly in this? Shazam? <laughs> no, Ed McMahon. He flies away at the end. Well, Shazam flew in the last one, in the last episode, and he learned to fly by watching Ghetto Man. Ghetto Man flies. To be fair, nobody is on wires. There's no <laughs> convincing flying here. There's some, yes, superimposition camera trickery. But uh, yeah, Ed's goodbye was maybe the funniest thing in, in this. Yeah, and it couldn't come soon enough because that Mordrew singing an evil that's entertainment. <laughs> it kept going on so long that it did start to become funny because you just started laughing about how you felt your life dribbling away. It was just like, oh, it's uh, it's just never going to end. That's what I like was walking around, like gathering my DVDs and alphabetizing them while he was singing. It was like, I cannot do it anymore. It really does break you down. He's the evilest of all for making us sit through it. Or is that me? Jacob Stewart, do you recommend The Legends of the Superheroes? I know it's not getting any greens, but is there a brown, Jacob? So the version of this I watched, it, has, it actually swapped the episode. So I started with the roast and I'll just tell everyone this. I can't believe I lasted this long. I lasted 20 minutes into it until I picked up my phone to email <laughs> Arnie saying, why are we doing this? <laughs> That's like, that was my tolerance level. That was me trying to be patient and like get through this. No, this isn't a brown arrow. There's nothing... 
it's just so bad. It's really, really bad. It's take this thing. If this was a comic, I'd be lining Hawkman's cage with it. It's no, this is a red arrow. Like I said, I, I wanted the musical numbers from the holiday special to divert me to, to do something. But no, this is bad. Red arrow. Not strong, strong, not recommend. Stuart. Yeah, no, I mean, the holiday special is enjoyable. It is funny. This is not. It's an important distinction. I mean, the Star Wars universe, seeing them humiliated, had a kind of perverse quality. Seeing these no-names dressed up in these cheap... It's literally, it's like attending a children's birthday party or something. It's like you're literally watching child entertainers go through some really, really painful material for what feels like an eternal amount of time. Honestly, it's like one step removed from somebody putting on sock puppets. I mean, that, that, that's where we're at right now. I feel like home movies. So, Stuart, do you recommend Lamb Chop? <laughs> well, yeah, that's professional. I mean, I really feel like, you know, we'll just watch your YouTube videos right now. I mean, it, it, this is a super waste of time. Not only is this a terrible thing that no one should see, we should be ashamed of ourselves for putting it out in the universe that it was something that anyone should bother to watch at all. I guess I liked it best of the three of us, (laughs) which is not saying much. It's a strong not recommend, but man, perhaps I had some kind of Stockholm syndrome where I'm clinging to Marshall Warfield. (laughs) What? Admittedly, that that was the best part of all of this, was her just commenting at the gas station. It wasn't that great, guys, though. I mean, come on. No, it, Buck Stewart. No, it wasn't that great. I said it was the best thing about this. Yeah, don't go selling people they need to go watch Five Minutes of Marsha in the phone booth. Let's go watch Night Court. <laughs> she was funnier here than most of Night Court. I didn't care for the Roz character as much as I cared for the two bailiffs before it, but I liked Selma best. And in the roast... Yeah, Ghetto Man is probably worth YouTubing in isolation without watching anything else in it. But it's horrible. I really did feel like there was so much more I could be doing with my life. I could be clipping my toenails. I could be vacuuming. I could be dusting. I could be sleeping. No, don't watch Legends of the Superheroes. And for God's sake, don't buy it. That's <laughs> right, you spent money. It's it's not one of those things that are out of print now and going for hundreds of dollars like the Ewok films. No, it's a print-on-demand. Amazon will only make it if you order it. <laughs> Which means you can't find it on YouTube, unfortunately. But you can get a copy professionally made. I guess I'll use that word. You know what it honestly feels like? It was like when you go back to the 30s and watch how they made like Reefer Madness or something like that to try and scare people away from drugs. This is like what you would do to scare people away from reading comic books. <laughs> you are never going to want to see a superhero anything again if you watch this. And yet that's what we're going to be doing next week because this is our DC Teams retrospective where we're leading up to the cusp of the Justice League. It's not really a Justice League movie. It's Batman, (laughs) Superman, Wonder Woman. Cyborg, Aquaman. (laughs) This is our way of making Zack Snyder look real good. (laughs) We start here, and by the time we get to that finish line, whatever he's delivered, we're going to love it. Honestly, I wonder if there's any green arrows in this series. I mean, after this... I take full blame for this one. I apologize to my co-hosts. I apologize to the listeners. Okay. I hope we created an entertaining show out of my screw-up. Had I had a chance to watch this before our schedule, 
it wouldn't be here. But yeah, let's break it down for people because they probably don't understand what we're doing. DC team-ups is every time DC characters got together leading up until this new Batman versus Superman thing. We got next week. I have no idea what this is. Back to the television. And this one is not my fault. I want to thank slash blame <laughs> one of our listeners who, when we announced our DC team-ups retrospective, pointed out there was a made-for-TV movie pilot, just like the Hulk and Captain America and Doctor Strange, only it was never aired in the U.S. It was never aired, yeah. It was aired in the U.K. Serbia again? <laughs> Is that part of the U.K.? No, no, I'm just guessing that where in this world that this would be constituting as a movie. I have no hope for it being anything I'd ever want to sit through, but I will. Yeah, Justice League of America from 1997. With David Ogden Stiers as Martian Manhunter. Yes, MASH and The Dead Zones, David Ogden Stiers. And Miguel Ferreira, he showed up in The Stand and RoboCop. He's coming back. Oh, yeah, Twin Peaks. I love that actor. I'm not excited, guys. You're not... <laughs> You're not telling me anything that I want to see. Well, how about a cartoon after that? <sighs> see, I'm really wondering if there's any green arrows in our future in this retrospective. Gen 13, I hope. I can't even find it anywhere, so... Yeah, oh, we might have to skip it then. It's not Generation X. That's <laughs> all I need to know. No. <laughs> so hopefully I can find it before now and two weeks from now so we can review that. It looks like it's on YouTube. And then we're going to get something that actually came out in theaters? Finally. LXG. Yes, when we're looking forward to the movie that made Sean Connery yes. say, fuck it. <laughs> the movie supposedly so bad it made Sean Connery quit. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, Alan Moore adaptation, so... You know how those go. He's never happy with them. Yeah, I think I saw it. I kind of just remember. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Vague things. I saw it too. And I'll agree with Alan Moore, but I, I'm going to revisit it. I just remember going in with high hopes and then walking out with them dashed. And finally, a controversial one and the one people are most anticipating. And if there's a green arrow in DC teams, this is the one most likely to get them. Watchmen by Zack Snyder again. Yeah, it's one of the few graphic novels I've actually read. I'm rereading it now. I know you guys are going to do a whole books and nachos based on it. We're going to really try to get into a... Why Ellen Moore's work is considered one of the greatest pieces of literature of the 20th century, and why, try as he might, Zack Snyder's movie didn't maybe live up to the hype, but maybe we'll reevaluate it. So that's coming up in the next few weeks before we begin our DC Cinematic Universe Justice League retrospective proper with the second episode. <laughs> because who knew they would actually pull it off? They tried with Green Lantern, but Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And I have some friends who are really excited and it's starting to rub off on me. I'm looking forward to seeing that in theaters. And I'm really looking forward to seeing something theatrical. <laughs> and while none of us recommended this movie, if you guys want to hear about movies we do recommend, head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. The book underrated movies we recommend our first collection of written movie reviews is done being written we are in the 
final stages of pre-production before we can send it off to the printer and the last stages of editing. You can pre-order it now. Pre-orders get it signed by all four of us authors. We're going to be in the same place at the same time for a change and get to sign them all. If you don't pre-order, then you probably won't be able to get one of those ever. So you can pre-order it now in book form or the bundle with the audiobook, the ebook, and the physical book. And Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, good night and Kareem! Okay, guys, mission accomplished. <laughs> good work, Brother Wizard. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Bravo, Justice League. Bravo, a virtuoso performance. But I want you to keep one thing in mind about the weather. It can change at any moment. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another DC Comics film, featuring all the way through a weekend of release review of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Now, if you begin to feel an intense and crushing feeling of religious terror at the concept, don't be alarmed. That indicates only that you are still sane. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss the DC movies with other listeners. Have they talked you into joining us yet? And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other comic book films, such as Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, The Avengers, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four. What is it? The future, gentlemen. The future. You can also listen to our reviews of other movie series, including The Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, and many more. Only the best of the best come here. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com. You know, I like to go watch movies. You know, I, I like to watch long movies because, you know, I run around all day. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. We don't do this thing because it's permitted. We do it because we have to. We do it because we're compelled. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. We've got to tell the others. There's no time. Oh, yes, there is. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Can't spend your life in front of a computer, Tori. You know, it's a lot safer. Yeah, well, you know, fighting for truth, justice, and the American way just isn't helping my bank account, you know? <laughs> Support from listeners like you. Help keep Now Playing operating. A watchdog group of nuclear scientists has moved the doomsday clock to two minutes until midnight. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Give them the money, Batman. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. You boys look nice in your underwear. Now Playing's DC Teams Retrospective Series is edited by Heath and Arnie. 
God doesn't make the world this way. We do. Now playing credit narration by Brock. Oh, I know. He talks funny. <laughs> now playing is not affiliated with DC Comics or Warner Brothers Pictures. DC Comics and all that the DC Universe contains are copyright and trademark Warner Brothers Entertainment and no infringement is intended. Where do you see what I'm going to do to you when I get you back to the Batcave? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. <laughs> it's a joke. It's all a joke. Now playing as a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. You don't think that's a little paranoid? Not what they say about me now. Paranoid. Home voyage. Nothing ends. Never ends. Superheroes, disperse. Yeah, go put your cardboard wings away. The true Hawkman is here. <laughs> that actually sounded like the Falconer from Saturday Night Live. I don't know. I just looked up. Hawk call on YouTube. <laughs> it's because we covered the first time they were in the spandex, and now we're covering the last. I have to go to the bathroom really bad. I'll be right back. <laughs> Why? Why? You've been shitting all over this. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a really bad idea. Like, why are you going to blow up the world and just be the last? There's only... One chick. It's like, that's going to be bad. I was just thinking that. Like, that's a bad ratio. Although it does remind me of that scene in the Justice League porn parody where the only Wonder Woman is... <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this. <laughs> yeah, I can't pick up that. <laughs> and the worst part is I'm not making it up. <laughs> I'm sure you're not. We'll probably be reviewing that next week. <laughs> and it might be better. It, yeah, costumes are better. Yeah, they gotta be better than that. <laughs> There's no upholstery wings. Jeez, that yeah, that can laugh. I think they're still using this laugh track for the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> they have to, because nobody's really laughing at it. <laughs> it's still a number one show, Arnie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, th there's old people. There are tons of people that love that show. Seniors. Seniors who think that's actual nerd culture. That's who likes that show. Yeah, it's the people who are like touched by an angel has been canceled. So let me watch whatever they're showing in the time slot. <laughs> Don't you really wish they'd also brought back like Caesar Romero or Burgess Meredith? And oh, he was too big for this. He was in foul play. Don't tell me you don't know Foul Play. Is that a penguin bird pun? No, you guys don't remember Foul Play? I watched that movie like 300 times as a kid. Goldie Hawn, Chevy yeah, Chase. Yeah, Chevy Chase. That's... Yeah, and he was like the scary old, like he was like the, I think he was a dirty old man. I don't really totally remember, <laughs> but they were trying to kill the Pope. Anyway. And Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. Mm, you're not welcome. <laughs> yeah. And until next time, good night. And Kareem!
Kareem. <laughs> I was hoping you'd use Kareem. <laughs>